Kicking and Streaming Podcast is brought to you by Cafe 1804. Premium Haitian coffee now available online at cafe1804.com. That's cafe, K-A-F-E, 1804.com. You know, I never hit my <laughs> So go live. <laughs> okay. All right. This is Kicking and Streaming Podcast, a binge watcher's guide to streaming movies, TV series, and stuff. Here are your hosts, Graham and Jocelyn. And hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Kicking and Streaming Podcast. My name is Graham, and with me today is, of course, the absolutely fantastic, the fantastic Jojo. Hello, Jojo. Hello, Graham. How do you do? Yes. Hey, Jojo. Jojo, you know, the fantastic is a way of doing superlative in Spanish. Okay. It makes it makes me think of Ricky Tiki Tavi, which is one of one of my favorite kids' stories. So yeah. Is that yes. so? I don't know that one, so you're gonna have to tell me. Oh. Tell it to oh, me. it's a good one. It's a good one. In a kid's voice. So. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So today we are going to talk about this series on Hulu called dope sick and to a certain extent we've already been over this because we had a talk that was a show not too long ago that we did about a HBO documentary called Crime of the Century. Yes. yes. And so the show Dope Sick is basically a dramatized version of crime of the century and uh, it, it goes a bit deeper like it, it certainly presents is humanizes the faces of of the people in each story and um, of course michael keaton is the man there so we, we we're going to talk about that Jojo, mm-hmm. right the opioid epidemic the sackler That's family right. oxycontin and everything that comes with it so Jojo. I have yeah. to start by asking you, Jojo, what do you think of this show? I I think it's it's really good. I think it is, for those of us who don't like to watch documentaries, this is a really good way to understand the opioid crisis a little bit better and how it's all gone down and how it actually really truly started. So uh, if you're not going to watch Crime of the Century, then I would say go ahead and, and watch watch Dope Sick. Um, if you've already watched Crime of the Century, which I think is a, a great documentary, and I think we did a great episode about it too, so if you want to go back and listen to that one, then I think that you're going to enjoy this as well, and in as much as one can enjoy human pain and all the horrible things that have gone along with it. But I think, as Graham said, it, it does bring more of a, a, a human face, a, a face to the tragedy, a, you know, and, and even though, of course, some of this is dramatized, uh, uh, you know, more of an idea of who the baddies are and, and yes. what actually so happened to these. We did Crime of the Century back in May. It was was actually published on May seventeenth because our shows come out uh, sort of like Monday night. <laughs> we we actually 
tend to think that it, it comes out on Tuesday because Monday night at about 9 p.m., the episode comes out. So if you're subscribed, it probably will hit your device at that uh, on Monday night, but you will see it the next day if you are if you go looking for it. So that was back in May. So again, as Jojo said, if you don't, if you're not a documentary person, if you enjoy stories told better in a dramatized way, this is your go, right? But we still recommend that you watch The Crime of the Century because it is real life people, especially involved in the case, that are talking. You know, if you have been watching this series, Dopesick, you know, you will actually see the real Dr. Phoenix, the documentary, and some other faces that are familiar here. So, Jojo, if you would, I, I know that we, we have sort of like gone into details about the show, but would you put it in, in, in context to, to, to our audience, Jojo? <laughs> I will do my best. <laughs> so this series on Hulu called Dope Sick is based on a book, actually. And it is, the book is called Dope Sick Dealers, Doctors, and the Drug Company that Addicted America, written by Beth Macy. And Danny Strong decided to go ahead and adapt the book. He's also the executive producer. And what it is, is the story of the opioid crisis and the story behind the opioid crisis. The, the family that essentially invented this drug, if you will, the way it was marketed, the population it was marketed to, especially, and the kind of willy-nilly money, 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 money over any thought about people's health, which you can say is capitalism, but that really shouldn't apply when it comes to a pharmaceutical company by any means for somebody that's supposed to be helping people. So this this story is a tragedy on so many levels and very infuriating. But yes, I think it's 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 absolutely must-see TV and uh so it's it's on Hulu. I think it's going to be eight episodes, fourth and I think episode. we're up to the fourth That's now, correct, if I'm yes. remembering episode correctly. Four. So, yes, yeah. needless to say, we have watched only four episodes of this series, but to a certain extent, we're familiar with the show. We're familiar with the story. And if you have been following the news over the past, I don't know, decade and a half, then you too should be familiar with the story of the opioid epidemic the way that it has affected a particular region of American society in a particular region of the country, uh, one could say starting from part of the uh, Northeast all the way into the Ross Belt and into Appalachia. And, and the crazy thing is that these regions, these areas were targeted. They were targeted. Yes. <laughs> and it was yes, a, a concerted effort absolutely. to get people hooked precisely from that area. And I actually, my theory is that it was basically the Sacklers plot in, in saying, no, 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 these people are prone to these kind of things. You know? Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, because it's not just the region, as you said, but it is also the demographic right, of the region exactly. that was targeted. So, I mean, there there were other folks that live in that area who were probably never offered this drug. But if you fit a certain profile decided by the Sacklers, then you were going to yes. get offered this drug. And unlike, you know, the D.A.R.E. program and everything that we were taught in school as kids, it's not somebody standing on the street corner trying to give you free drugs, which, <laughs> like, nobody's ever offered me free drugs, just as an aside. But this was coming from a doctor with a prescription. So everybody felt like, okay, this is legit. Like, you know, this isn't going to hurt me. This is going to be good for me. It came from a doctor, a person of authority, someone who's supposed to have my best interest of heart at heart. So, of course, I'm going to take it. And that is... It's fascinating to me that the Sacklers were able to understand the psychology of that so well and use all of that just for their own personal game. That's very fascinating to me in a horrifying way, of course, but it's just such a study in human nature well, because this that is the thing, incredible the thing intelligence. The, the thing about capitalism, especially uncontrolled, unabashed capitalism, is that it is a consistent study of human nature, of human behavior. And sometimes it is better at it than actual people who are dedicated to, to the study of human behavior. Because what it determines is how human behaves as a result of having a certain supply and demand. And there is nothing better, I think, to actually take the pulse of how a population behaves than by either providing something in abundance or depriving something from them. And as you said, the Sacklers studied that, understood that, and just uh, run with it. But at the same time, they had the U.S. government as accomplice. And here is, is, here is yes. the, big, the biggest part of it. <laughs> yeah. No, you're completely you're completely correct. Right. You are completely okay. correct. So, Jojo, the propagation of this drug is as we said, um basically begins with the government by sort of like an endorsement. And we see this in government all the time. It's one of the most disgusting thing that happens is that Contrary to other countries where corruption works in the way that most people in government accept bribe and to sort of like a pay-for-play type of thing, when it doesn't happen like that in government in the United States, what happens is that people just go work for a certain government agency and leave that government agency, and right after that, they go and start working for precisely for the people that they're not supposed to be, they, they were supposed to be regulating. And so in this context, this is how the Sacklers managed to get their drug not only approved, because that wouldn't be a problem with getting it approved. It was by making it, having sort of like a seal of, of approval from the U.S. government where it could be basically propagated without any concerns from doctors and professionals. So 
Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was absolutely um, endorsed. It was absolutely endorsed by, you know, government agencies and by people within the government. And of course they were getting a nice little, nice little paycheck for that kind of thing, you know, um, probably in the manner of donations to their campaign schedules and, and things like that, which that's a whole nother discussion, but anyway. So Georgia, let me ask you this. In comparison to the documentary, how accurate or not do you find these series to be? I personally am more of a fan of the documentary, and that's really only because I love documentaries so much. They are one of my favorite formats to watch this kind of thing. However, I can understand not wanting to watch the documentary. So I, I do enjoy this, and I think it's it's definitely a, a good series. It is a very good series. And if the documentary didn't exist, you know, I, I would be really blown out of the water by it. But having the documentary in the back of my head, you know, having the some of the actual players in the game being spoken to and seeing, you know, actual depositions and that kind of thing, I, I enjoyed that more. But I, I do think that this is, is great television and, and yeah, something that I'm, people should I'm be glad watching. That there's a, we're going to go into the cast in a few minutes, but there's a couple of, of people there that, that I think made this show great. And as usual, for me, once these people are involved, you've got to watch. We, there are several instances that we've talked about this young actress named Caitlin Devers. She's fantastic. I, I can mm-hmm. remember us talking about her, but I don't remember what series. <laughs> um, I do remember I talking think, about her. I what think was she, she was on Unbelievable, about? was it? Yes, she was. She she played Marie Adler. Exactly. She played Marie Adler. And, of course, Michael yes. Keaton. We just talked about Michael Keaton in copiously. Not so long ago, when we when we did our episode about Worth, the show, the 9-11 Victims Compensation sh- show that we watched, that was precisely, I think it was, yeah, it was a Netflix movie. So, yes. again, yes. if you are a fan of, of documentaries, good for you. You are going to enjoy the crime of the century. But this is a good way, as Jojo said, to discover really the real story behind, and even though this is a dramatized version of it, it's not too far from reality, right? But I think what, the one thing that we didn't get from the documentary is that the Sacklers are talked about in the documentary, whereas in this series, you actually get to see at least a dramatized version of how things happen with the Sacklers. We can certainly imagine that it's it's an imagined version. It's it's a it's a made up, if you will, a fictional part of the story, because these people are incredibly secretive, and I don't know that they would openly talk about <laughs> the process of how they they got to to be where they are with oxycontin, but but I think it gives right. you a pretty good idea of what go how these things come about. 
Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I don't think that this is like a fantastical retelling or, or that anything in it is unbelievable. I think what they've dramatized and chosen to change up a little bit makes perfect sense in this in the terms of storytelling. And I do think that, as you said, it is important to see the Sacklers because, of course, they're, you know, they're never going to talk to anybody. So even though what we're seeing with them is is a fictionalized, dramatized, nobody can ever really know exactly what it's like in their world, I none of it ever rang false to me. Um, it was always very what's the word? It was very believable. It was very, you know, natural and organic as to the way that they, they are. And uh, like you said, I think that is an important part of the story. I think one of the things that people should understand is that part of the reason it has been so difficult to get to the Sacklers is because they understand, they know from the beginning that they weren't your everyday kind of drug dealers. And, and because they weren't part of yes. a criminal enterprise, even though what they've done is an actual fucking crime, but they weren't part of a crime enterprise. So because they're a legitimate business, they have established themselves as one of the most philo- philanthropic families in the world, right? There are countless of museums, philharmonic orchestras, you know, art schools, and art houses in the world that have the Sackler family's name in it. So you have to understand what it means when a district attorney from some little Appalachian district comes out and decides, I'm going to present evidence that these motherfuckers are selling a dangerous drug into this country, into this particular region, isn't it, Georgia? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously, that took uh, a lot of guts and, and chutzpah on his part. And, you know, for them to put such legitimacy on the fact that they are drug dealers, of course, a lot of that comes from having huge amounts of money, but also part of that comes from having huge amounts of influence because, you know, there are plenty of cartels that are incredibly rich that are still on like, you know, most wanted lists uh, in some, in, in other countries like FBI and that sort of thing. So just because the money, it doesn't always get the legitimacy. So the Sacklers were able to do this. So it's all wrapped up in a beautiful little capitalism bow. And, uh, you know, they just sold sold drugs as, you know, like a, a street corner hustler would, but they they did it the, the quote-unquote right way. The, one of the, the things you discover way. with this series is the fact that you can buy your way into, into everything, even, even when you see something that is backed by a study. And I'm glad that we waited to watch at least halfway through, right, episode four, because on episode four you discover that something as little as a rumor can become accredited and a reputed data and and propagated around the world as as truth whereas it's not it's not at all yeah right and the sacklers were actually very good at that they were very good at finding people who can basically sing to their tunes 
So and it, was, it wasn't a question only of money. It was, they, they had so many ways, they have so many ways of conquering. It, it sort of reminded me of Lucifer's famous catchphrase. What is it that you desire? It's almost like, I'm going to dangle yes. this thing, yes. you know, right in front of your face. What is it that you desire? Right? And so it was, if you were young and you wanted to, you know, you, you wanted a, a brilliant life, you wanted, you wanted luxury, you wanted quick money, they knew how to put that in front of you. But if you were a doctor, even if you resisted, even if you had, if you had some doubts, they knew how to go after your intellect and present you with some cooked up evidence enough for you to say, they must have found this thing somewhere. These studies must exist. So I have, you, you, I, I'm going to right. trust the science. If you are a person who trusts the right. science, then you are going to trust the science once presented with enough studies and evidence and peer-reviewed studies. The problem is, how do you go about figuring out what's what? How do you go about, you know, finding out the truth for yourself, you know? And how do you know who's financed by the settlers, you know? Right, right. How do you know who is in whose back pocket and who's been paid off and, and all of those fun things? And that's, you know... <laughs> The good thing about all of this being uncovered is that hopefully, you know, there is and will be and continue to be more regulatory checks, more steps in the system to make things uh, more difficult for, like this to do. Because, you know, and the other thing, too, is that a lot of these studies that claimed that there was little or to no chance of addiction you know, what, why, as a doctor, would you question that sort of thing? You, I mean, I would sort of start questioning things after they'd offered A trip me, to like, Orlando or whatever? <laughs> my fifth, uh, right, exactly, a fifth trip around the world or something like that. But, yeah, I I, I do think that, that it, you know, on the surface of it, it, everything seemed very legit. And when you're, when, if it is marketed, or I shouldn't say marketed, but it, if it is written as a prescription and given to patients who have the the actual issues the you know because it's supposed to be palliative care then it's a great drug right. it it does what it's supposed to do and if it's palliative then or palliative uh, i forgot how to pronounce it my brain's gone blank but anyway if it's if it's pre-death care then you really <laughs> if they get addicted yeah. to it yeah. i mean you know so it's a shame that, that that all of this happened through greed and, you know, of all the things to, I mean, obviously it was a perfect market for them, you know, it was absolutely, uh, totally perfect, but it's just, it's just a, a shame that people who were very disadvantaged and uneducated and lots of other things got money taken from them. Basically, through yeah, something that I think been there are two people. things here that sort of like catapulted the entire scheme. One is the fact that they know that who they were targeting 
where the folks that politicians go to only every four years, in every two years. And politicians go to these people, not necessarily to tell them, you know, I know what your problems are and here's how I can help you, but rather here, here are the people causing you your problems and I'm going to go to Washington and do away with them. So, so other than that, they don't care about these folks. Appalachia is left alone for the entirety of the, you know, of the dead zone of the political season until <laughs> it's backed up again. Once it's back up again, then they're all over there. And they already have a story to demonize another group of people and get the folks in Appalachia riled up. They never come up with solutions. They just come up with to tell them who to hate. And so there you go. There you go. Right. Let's go ahead and talk about the cast, Jojo. Caitlin Dever is absolutely fantastic at this. And her character is a little little bit more three-dimensional in this. And I like the way they wrote her character because, you know, she's not only the girl from Appalachia that get, you know, addicted to these drugs, but rather from a very sheltered life, from very protective and religious parents, and also with a secret of her own, right? So what what, what do you think of, yeah. and I don't know if this character is fictional or I don't know if this character actually exists. I, I, I don't know. But I think it was a very, if it is an invented character, it's a very beautiful invention. It's it's a character that has a story to tell inside the story that has been told. And I like that. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that they, they really did a good job of making her well-rounded, three-dimensional, an actual person. And even, you know, she may be an amalgam of several true life people, I don't know, or, you know, she may be truly based on just one person. But yeah, I think it's a, it's a great character. I look forward to seeing uh, now, what happens in the next the four episodes. Doctor, uh, Dr. Samuel Finn, Samuel Phoenix, is someone that we know because we, we watch documentary. It's based on the doctor turned, I don't know if whistleblower, but rather the I guess the star witness for the government and some of the details in the show, I don't know how true they are because in the show, spoiler alert, Dr. Phoenix himself gets addicted. That's, that's something that is not revealed in in the crime of the century as a documentary. So, but Michael Keaton can look like anyone he wants. He is get he's getting that Tom Hanks, yeah, he, yeah, he, he, he looks like me. anybody. Like <laughs> Doctor Phoenix is significantly taller because this is a very tall dude. And Michael Keaton is not is not as tall as Doctor Phoenix, but I have no problem believing him to be Doctor Phoenix, isn't he? It's true, and it's funny because I I just watched <laughs> Beetlejuice. And and Michael Keaton is in that, and that's it's you know that's 
the antithesis of, of, of Dr. Fanning. <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of does things to your brain. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I don't know why you had to bring up like people didn't want to oh. remember that Michael Kitchen was Beetlejuice. <laughs> <laughs> it's just amazing to me that he went from that kind of a career. Yeah. And I mean amazing in a good way. I'm not trash I'm not trashing on Michael Keaton at all, but that he went from playing that kind of character to Batman to, you know, what we see now is like a, a Tom Hanks counterpart. So I, You know I what, dude? Cool. He is one guy that I don't know. He he is he, he's becoming a face that you can't get away from. Will Poulter. Will Poulter is pulling yeah. off and actually the, the character that Will Poulter's Billy Cutler is based on is a real life person in the documentary, if you watch it, right? It, it's that dude that ended up reading a, a really bad poem <laughs> in, the, in the documentary. So, right. So this dude, yes. Will Poulter, is actually from England. <laughs> yes. Yes. And he's... Uh... He's he's been in in quite a few things and continues to be in a lot of good a, a lot of things and I feel like he's almost yeah, yeah. always not English <laughs> what I've seen him in and he's weird ass looking dude too so he does a good American he is very unique looking unique he's looking very I like that. very unique look to him he 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 reminds me of like. Like, I don't know, Alfred E. Newman or, um, like, some kid, little kid you would see in, like, a 50s yes. commercial for Campbell's Soup or something. Yeah. Oh, my God. Campbell's Soup. I like it. <laughs> He's just, he has He's a very so unique weird look. weird looking really dude, does. man. But that's true, though. He never plays an Englishman. <laughs> <laughs> he never, never does. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it would be interesting I to hear know. what his English accent I, is the like. The Christian, you know, I've like never his... seen an interview with him. So. Does he have like upper crust or? Yeah, I never have either. So I don't know if he has like the upper crust accent or like, you know, something you can barely understand. He is from London. But really, I, I, I would love to hear his accent. You're absolutely, <laughs> you're absolutely right. Oh man, that's funny stuff. <laughs> Michael Stuhlbag, Stuhlbarg plays Richard Sackler. To a certain extent, it almost feels like this is an extended version of a character that Michael Stuhlbarg played on Boardwalk Empire. Did you, did you ever see that show? I never watched Boardwalk Empire, but I. I am a fan of Michael Stuhlbarg and his acting. I think he is great at these interesting, yes. seemingly small yeah. roles. He is he's great at playing characters that you can't straight up call them villains. There's more to them than a villain. Mm-hmm. And he's absolutely perfect for this, mm-hmm. for, for this character. His characters are always more than a flat-out villain. He doesn't play the thuggish 
villain. He plays a very methodical, three-dimensional villain. And that's what he does. One could accuse him of probably always sounding the same when he plays these characters. But you can certainly buy those characters. You buy them as as someone else, as opposed to Michael Stuhlbart. So um, he's he he's, fantastic. What do you think of Peter Sarsgaard? Yeah, Peter <laughs> I love that name. <laughs> it's so much fun to say. <laughs> Sarsgaard. <laughs> Peter Sarsgaard as Rick Mountcastle. Um, what, what do you think of, of my dude over there? He, he is he is very interesting. He's a very interesting actor and he makes very yeah. interesting choices. So I I think he does a, a great job. I feel like he's always does a great job at being a little bit off. There's a creepy. weird intensity Something to him is just in not everything. quite in everything. Yes. Like yes. the guy that is going to take yes. a, a, and he can't an really... axe and fucking start killing people. <laughs> right, right. You're, he's 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 unsettling, but you can't really put your That's finger amazing. on why per se. You know, you can't be like he does that one thing that is the creepy. It's like it's it's all there's something in in each performance that makes you go. Yeah, I, I don't know about this guy. Like. He's genuinely scary. Yeah, like but I don't in know this why. case particularly, it almost seems like he's taking the whole thing personal, but you you don't know why. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's, it's like okay, mm-hmm. I'm just obsessed with this motherfuckers. I have to take them out, no matter what. But there is no background story that can actually tell you why is he feeling that way. Why is he feeling so strongly? about it you know but i love i love it uh rosario dawson what do you think of bridget meyer i i love rosario i love i love her i think everything she's in she's just so watchable like she's just a beautiful woman and she is just just beautiful and beautiful to watch and i i i love all of her performances i think she is fabulous in pretty much everything I've seen her in. She's she's intense and she is strong and she she brings a lot of 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 things to a character. So I, I enjoyed yeah. her, her performance. Rosario Dawson so has this quality that there's not much she needs to do for you to believe her to be the person she's playing. She doesn't have to yes. overact. She doesn't have to use a lot of makeup. She doesn't have to change her hairstyle. Like, nothing has to change for you to believe, while looking at Rosario Dawson, to believe that she is your character that she's playing. And this character, Bridget Myers, has a beautiful background story and also is, a, is one of those kick-ass women that... It's not only a lot of idealism, but also puts everything into action. And I love it. I love this character for her. And um, yeah, sure. She's dope. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so agreed. This guy, John Hugenakler. 
Is it the Hoogenakle? Yeah. I, that's what it looks like to me, Hoogenakker. He's, he's one of those faces of, yeah, I've seen this guy a thousand times. You know what I mean? I've seen this guy a thousand yeah. times. Yeah. yeah. He's been in many, many things. <laughs> he's, one guy, of the, he's one of that guys. <laughs> one, yeah. of, one, of, yeah. one of those yeah, that that's guys. That's exactly right. Like, as soon as you see him, like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know this guy. But you can't name exactly what you've seen. You, you've seen him one. But, yeah, I know the guy. I like that. He's that, he's that guy. But I think he's doing a hell yeah. of a job in the show. And... Yes. Uh, He's an incredible Agreed. sidekick to Rick Mountcastle. He plays Randy Ramsey. I think the other characters that, well, supposedly, we haven't seen Rudy Giuliani yet, but Trevor Long plays Rudy Giuliani here. And uh, I wonder what episode is going to show up. Yeah, I, I wonder that too, because it's going to be interesting to see Rudy Giuliani played by someone other than himself because I, I think in his own head Rudy Giuliani is constantly in a movie so I just you know so I, I think you know he's just has this film reel that's that's kind of flipping around in, in, in his head all the time so it's uh, you know I feel like if he saw himself portrayed on screen it's just going to make us something explode and he's just going to fall interesting. I don't know why they hired this guy to play Rudy Giuliani they could have just hired Kate McKinnon. <laughs> because <laughs> this is very true because she is very, very good as Kate McKinnon as, as Rudy Giuliani. Oh my she God, is Kate McKinnon kills so. me. <laughs> Kate McKinnon kills me, man. She <laughs> she does her Rudy Giuliani like nobody else. Nobody else, man. And the crazy thing is that it's not even exaggerated. <laughs> no, it really isn't. It's it not really exaggerated. isn't. I mean, <laughs> that's just sad. That's that's sad when you're, you know, the, a famous person and they don't really even have to exaggerate anything that you do oh on Saturday Night Live when she just essentially shows up and plays you. Oh, it's just sad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Mental illness is a hell of a drug. I don't know. Drugs are a hell of a drug. So this girl, Cleopatra Coleman, who plays Grace, I believe. Grace Powell. She's an Grace Aussie. Powell. Oh, Aussie, as they call themselves. And uh, I kept looking at her like, where have I seen this girl? What's she be on, Jojo? Last Man Let's on see. Earth. She's yeah, she's on Last Man on Earth. She's on I know you from somewhere. <laughs> I'm sure I know her from somewhere. Yeah, she was she was sure. in a she was in a movie called I Know You From Somewhere. So <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, she's on The Right One, The Argument, Sorry for Your Loss, In the Shadow There's of the so Moon. Many apocalypses. Now Apocalypse. Yeah, all, no. all the apocalypses. So she is the daughter of a Jamaican-born mother, Turquoise Coleman, and an Australian father of Scottish descent. 
Mick Coleman. Great. Cool stuff, man. She's a yeah, cooler actress. Cool. Uh, kind of like her. She I. Yeah. She makes a couple of, of appearances there. And uh, I like what I saw. Yeah, she was good. Yeah. Right. So, what else you got, Judge? I mean, until we see all of it, it's kind of hard to say 100%. But, I mean, I think that I think that it's definitely worth the, the investment. And I think that it is a really good series and a, something important to watch for, you know, just for your own education. You know, I know people shy away from the idea of being educated when they watch something sometimes, but this is this is an important part of this country's history that is still ongoing and still unfolding. So I think that as much information as yeah. you can glean I about this. I still have excellent. a beef for going weekly with these kind of things because I know this show is good enough to be binge-watched. So there's only yeah. four episodes yeah. as of now. If you want to hold out to the next four weeks and then wait and, and binge watch the entire thing. That's fine. But at the same time, mm -hmm. now I'm looking forward to every Wednesday watching the next episode. So there's that. Yeah. <laughs> so if you want to do that, fine. Yeah. If not, then wait and binge watch it. Yep. The show. Then, uh, yeah. Go ahead. At some point we can, uh, Maybe we can reconvene with a little short chat about what we yeah, all think about it we after we've seen the whole do thing. Do an update to this episode. <laughs> episode update. <laughs> it sucked. No. <laughs> it's one of those shows that we know what happens. <laughs> yeah. Like, yes. So like, eh, nothing happened. <laughs> anyway, so Jojo, what do you think? Yeah. I would say three and a half. Sweet. Yeah, I think it's a three and a half. Then. Good stuff. Three and a half is I. Okay, so we have come okay. to the point where we will call it a day for today. The encouragement for you to go ahead, follow us on Instagram and on Twitter, on Facebook, and on Pinterest. We are Kicking and Streaming Podcast. You can find me on Instagram and on Twitter as... Mr. Puzzetta, that's M-R-P-U-Z-Z-E-T-T-A. Jojo is back on Instagram, but she don't need no more trolls. So, for now, fuck off. I'm not going to give you her Instagram <laughs> handle. <laughs> so, we're going to call it a day. And next week, we should be back with at least a bonus episode of a bonus Halloween episode. Right? Yes. Yeah. So, Spooky and scary see you then. stuff. Y'all have a good day. And uh, yeah. thank you very much, everyone. Cheers. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening to Kicking and Streaming Podcast. If you found value in our content, please subscribe and share. We would also be delighted to hear what you think of this podcast. So please rate us by writing a quick review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform. Follow us on all major social media platforms such as Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Pinterest. Join the conversation happening today on our Facebook group.